Hey everybody, welcome to the OK Guard Show. I am your host, Staff Sergeant Brian Schroeder, and today we have a repeat guest with us, Mr. John Dixon. John, uh, tell us again what you do for the Oklahoma National Guard. Sure, I'm one of three behavioral health specialists, and we are civilian contractors that are available to help soldiers with any issues related to their psychological well-being uh, for themselves or their dependents. And we also consult with command and promote education and training with the goal of preventing crisis situations. Okay. Uh, It sounds like there's a lot that you handle within your job. Uh, What would you say is the favorite part about the job that you do? For me, uh, a good moment is when a soldier has come to me with a question or a problem and I was able to provide them with an answer or a resource. But the favorite part actually comes a few months later when I follow up with them and they say they got what they needed and are doing great now. I have a lot of respect for our service members' sacrifice for our country and I feel like if for a moment I was able to help them complete that commitment, that makes me really proud. That's awesome. Uh, the, the job of a soldier is it's very detailed and in-depth at times and can uh, put people in situations they never thought that they could be in. And because of that, a, a team of resources is definitely needed. And what you and your office provide is, is definitely a huge benefit to all Guard members as well as their families because it's not just the person that wears the uniform, it's, it's who that person goes home to as well that, that bears that sacrifice. So yeah, uh, personally, thank you very much for what you do. It's, it's a very important resource. And um, today we're going to pick your brain again and kind of <laughs> help us navigate some of these, these new challenges that we're faced with since February yeah. uh, when COVID-19 hit. So since the outbreak of COVID-19, there have been... Um, many conflicting viewpoints or directives given or even opinions on how things should be or how things should go, Uh, like when to shut down the government or or businesses, when to reopen businesses, uh, how, when, or even if public schools should be opened, how to properly wear a mask, or some who believe COVID-19 is not a real thing, but a conspiracy propagated by whatever country agency supervillain for the purposes of whatever that might be. Uh, So we're all very familiar with COVID-19, whether we personally recognize it or not, no matter what our opinions are of wearing masks. Um, But we're all having to struggle with this COVID-19 bubble that we're living in. So talk to me about COVID fatigue. What is COVID fatigue? Well, this was a a bit of a new term for me, but something that I think I'm familiar with and probably most people are, that sensation of fatigue over what's been going on. In my understanding, the term COVID fatigue is kind of a new name for a condition that's been around for a long time. So I'd like to approach it from a model people may be more familiar with. So when a natural disaster strikes, there are usually stages of stress that impact our community. Here in Oklahoma, we're real familiar with like what happens after a tornado rips through a community. Yes. Right after that event, people tend to pull together and bond and try to help one another. 
they will go out of their way. Even if they weren't impacted, they will go hand out supplies or go be there to try to help people or offer them assistance in any way they can. However, a little while after that, and it kind of varies in how long this takes, sometimes that continued strain starts to wear at people. And sometimes their optimism turns into negativity and even anger. Uh, COVID fatigue is that disillusionment phase specific to this current stressor as it relates to the pandemic, the quarantine, the loss, anything related that our community and even our country, even world are facing at this point in time. So are there signs and symptoms of COVID fatigue? Um, are, it's, is it just being stressed out or is it like, do I develop a rash from COVID fatigue? What, <laughs> how would I know if I'm, if I'm suffering or experiencing any type of COVID fatigue? Sure. Um, I hate to, since this is such a new term, I'd, I'd hate to say that, you know, there's only one thing that it is. And if you have anything else, that's not it. Right. But what I will talk about is what's most commonly been reported. And the primary signs that have been reported so far include irritability, anxiety, changes in appetite, sleep disturbance, low motivation, or just generally being on edge. So a lot of things that can kind of go towards a lot of other issues too, but if you weren't having things and then you are having these type of things and you've been under a lot of stress related to COVID, those might be some of the signs or symptoms for you. Okay. Yeah. Cause what you described, uh, I'm, I'm picturing some Sergeant majors. That's their Tuesday. Right. <laughs> All of those symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> that's just their normal day today. So, right. um, so if those irritabilities start to increase or if I don't experience any of those at all, I'm a, I'm a normal, pretty happy go lucky person. And then I start to get irritated, start to feel that, everything around me is bothering me that may be something to look out for right and with anything that we talk about when it when it comes to psychological health it's differences for you so that sleep disturbance if you always sleep six hours a night and then you go to eight or four that's a change or a disturbance for you but you know for me to just say you have to get this amount or you have to be this irritable to get there, it's about the change that you've experienced personally. So would people that are in more stressful jobs be more susceptible to this? Or would it be, you know, like your your first line workers, your grocery store workers, healthcare workers, people like that? Or would, would they be more susceptible to, to COVID fatigue symptoms? I haven't seen anything that points to a specific demographic, uh, an age, a gender, a race, a specific job that puts you in a high risk group. But I would say that there are quite a few factors that are useful to consider. How much your life has been changed by COVID is different for everyone. And those who have had radical changes are more likely to experience the symptoms. So let's say you've had a major negative financial impact, like you haven't been able to earn money or it's been significantly less, or you're having interpersonal relationship problems, your marriage or your connections to your family are failing or faltering, or you're arguing with those people over what's going on with COVID. 
if you've been unable to meet the needs for yourself or anyone who depends upon you, that can have a huge impact on your susceptibility. And then obviously, if you've had you yourself or you've had a loved one who's gotten really sick or died, that's going to have an impact on your chances to develop this sort of COVID fatigue. So how different is COVID fatigue from normal everyday stress? Or is just labeling the stress that we're going through COVID fatigue just a way of churching up anxiety and stress? I think it is. I I don't think it's different in the sense of I don't think it's different in the sense of what it is, what what causes it, what how what's happening inside of our bodies because you know, we're <laughs> we've evolved to what we are as humanity long before <laughs> covid came along, but stress reactions are common uh throughout. And us being able to recognize that we are in such an unusual situation where the same stressor is affecting so many people. I think that's why we can lump this into a new name or a new type. You bring up a good point there because it, it, it impacts everybody differently, right? But it's similar, you could say, to like road rage. Nobody likes sitting in traffic. People get really stressed out to traffic in traffic. Um, some people can turn on music or just zone it out or whatever it is. But everybody's going to handle that situation differently. Right. Um, but this is, is kind of the same thing where it impacts everybody. Mm-hmm. Whether you want it to or not, you can't. You can just walk everywhere you go and completely avoid traffic, but you really can't avoid the repercussions of COVID-19 when you go out into public. Yeah. So it's, it's being able to cope with, with that stress that you know may be coming or you, maybe you don't know that it's coming. Can I have COVID fatigue or be have any type of stress-related symptoms without even knowing that, that that's really bothering me or what's bothering me? It might be possible. Self-awareness is um, recognizing or taking the time to look at our own feelings, motivations, and desires. So if we take a moment to check in and think about where we are right now and how we were six months ago, it's likely that you might be able to notice whether or not you're having COVID fatigue. Okay. And then if, if, even with that, you kind of still are like, I'm not really certain, I'm not really seeing it, is the best thing to do is to ask a loved one, somebody who knows you well and is willing to be honest with you and maybe who is perceptive. I mean, I think most of us who have a spouse probably recognize that person will notice a big change <laughs> in us over six months. Um, it might let us know without us having to that's, ask. It might, yeah, they might have already <laughs> told you something's different about you. Uh, but, you know, a parent, uh, a sibling, somebody else, a close friend, and ask them, hey, these are the signs or symptoms. Have you noticed this being different from me since this thing started? And if they give you something, then, you know, maybe something to look out. And if they say, yeah, a little bit, but I think we all have, and you seem to be handling it pretty well, then you, you can probably rest assured that you're doing all right right now, too. That's a good point. We can rely on those others around us to, to kind of do a, a check-in every now and then and make sure we're still on the, on the right path and where we need to be. Yeah. Um, so if I feel some of these stressors or pressures uh, from, from outside sources bearing down on me and that starts to stress me out, 
can that COVID fatigue infect other people? Can I spread my COVID fatigue to someone else? Well, uh, thankfully, COVID fatigue isn't nearly as contagious as the virus. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I think if you're around people who are stressed out all the time and who aren't managing that stress well, that could lead you to have increased stress. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, uh, kind of the, I think there's an, an adage about maintaining good company versus bad company, kind of how that influences you. Right. I think that kind of applies a little bit here. However, the good news once again is positive influences work just the same. So if you can identify some people who maybe are still have stress in their life, but they seem to be managing it well, being around them, asking them what they're doing and following their examples could decrease and, and cure your COVID fatigue. So, <laughs> or inoculate you. <laughs> right, right. That's uh, yeah, almost like a, a pre-vaccine, if you will. Right, I exactly. I want to throw these words out there to, you know. Just for fatigue yeah. only. We, we don't have just, the, just fatigue. the COVID no. vaccine yet. No. For the fatigue. If so, I don't think we would be sitting here having this podcast conversation. <laughs> Probably. So, Probably not. So, just as my negative attitude can spread and potentially infect somebody with a negative attitude, somebody else's positive attitude, or if I put off a positive attitude, that can also be infectious. Right. That, that is really good to know. And, and especially if you're asking those others around you, doing those check-ins, hey, how am I doing with all of this? I feel like I'm getting stressed out. Or hey, I really liked what you did when I saw you getting stressed out. I'm going to start applying that to my life. That lets people know, hey, you're doing positive things. You're doing great things. Or, hey, maybe you should stop and, and check in on this and make sure that you're doing the right thing. So a lot, of, a lot of stress can come from just the rejection of a belief. If my favorite sports team doesn't make it to the playoffs, I can get really stressed out because I'm still in shock that they lost that game. Sports ball. I, right. I don't, I don't speak sports. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that does, that does create uh, stress in, in, in a super fan. Yeah. That is going to ride with them for a while. And they may have, and harbor bitter feelings towards those other teams, especially the team that maybe beat his or her favorite team. So let's let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about cognitive dissonance. What is cognitive dissonance? And kind of kind of talk me through a definition of it, and give me an example of of cognitive dissonance if you can. Sure. So. Uh Cognitive dissonance is just a big fancy word for something that we all do and are pretty familiar with. It occurs whenever a person has two or more contradictory beliefs, values, or thoughts about the same subject. So given that during the course of this pandemic, we all have been advised to respond differently over this past six months. So for a while, they told us to do this, and then they told us to do that. And then they said, we couldn't do this. And they said, you do need to be doing that. Mm -hmm. In addition, there have been a litany of conspiracy theories <laughs> circulating, uh, mm -hmm. especially through mm -hmm. things like social media, mm -hmm. 
And it's really no surprise that now, six months in, if you ask the average Joe or Jane, what about COVID? You can hear a lot of different things about their thoughts and what they've heard that could have been something that was seemingly accurate at the time, but has changed since. Or maybe it was never founded in accuracy and was propagated by somebody on social media with some ax to grind about something. <laughs> so they might have multiple pieces of information and some of those pieces of information might even contradict each other, but they are thoughts and beliefs that that person has in their, in their head. We've also struggled with different guidance from different levels in our life. So the federal government might have told us this is what's going on or this is what we need to do. Our state governments might have told us something different. Your local, your township, your city may have said something different. Mm -hmm. Your significant other <laughs> who makes a lot of important decisions in your life may have said something different. Your employer may have had different guidances for what you did or didn't need to do. And when you got all these different points of information funneling into the same person, that's where that cognitive dissonance starts happening. Okay. So as humans, once we have accepted a fact and we believe this is what's true, like uh, our sports example, the Oklahoma City Thunder are the greatest basketball team. Yes. If this is my belief and then they get beat, I will try to often come up with excuses for why they still are the best and happen to lose that game. Like the refs <laughs> screwed us right. or, uh, you know, so-and-so was out sick. And if that hadn't happened, we would have won something along those lines. Right. Because I want to maintain my belief, even though I have evidence that the Oklahoma City Thunder weren't the best team this year. Once we do that, once we have a belief, and especially if we have publicly acknowledged it, we have said, this is true, whatever. When that contradictory evidence comes in and that new information comes in, we're we often kind of re reject it or push back against it. We question that new evidence. Like, where did that come from? I don't know if I trust it. Is that reliable information? Right. So I say all this <laughs> to come back to give you a very old example. So around 500 BC, Pythagoras suggested that the world was round. And that was validated by Aristotle a few centuries later. And now we've had two millennia of scientific consensus, yet you can still find a large number of social media groups who are perpetuating the flat earth myth. Yes. <laughs> and I apologize if there's any flat earthers <laughs> listening, but that's not true. No. <laughs> Science is always discovering and modifying itself to provide a better understanding of the world. And that applies to this whole COVID situation that we've uh, been dealing with. It's a novel virus. It's a new thing. So they're figuring it out as they go. And sometimes they figure something out and then they find out, you know what, that wasn't exactly right. We were kind of on the right track, but it's actually this. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we as people have a lot harder time adapted and changing the way we think rather than science. So all of that, comes around to how cognitive dissonance impacts and leads to more COVID fatigue. So as an example, if I'm constantly 
to, to bring up what you said before from leadership at the national level, state level, local level, spousal level. Mm-hmm. If I'm hearing all different kinds of things on how to react to the coronavirus, that in itself is exhausting me. It's bringing on that COVID fatigue. But it also makes it harder to understand what is really what I should be focusing on. What is the truth? What is fact, right? Because then that takes going in and doing the research and finding uh, your sources that are reputable. But then again, with the internet, all sources can be <laughs> deemed reputable. Right. So again, you're kind of stuck in this this thing of, of having to be right. So how much does pride contribute to cognitive dissonance? Is it just a simple fact that we as human beings value our personal opinion so much that we choose to not see the opinions of others or we just plain and simple don't want to be wrong? A little of both. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think we just have a harder time accepting being wrong because we, we place too big an emphasis on it. We, we place too big an emphasis on overall, like mm-hmm. wanting to be right overall. And if I ever change my opinion about something, that means I must have been wrong at some point in the past. Right. Versus seeking out truth for recognizing that I know right now the things that I think I know without certainty, without any question in my life, in my mind, that probably five years and 10 years from now, a few of those are going to be challenged and probably be totally changed. Yes. And if I stay locked in with, well, I have to be right right now, rather than saying I'm going to be continually seeking out the truth and looking to be more right than I am, but I'll never be all the way right. I think that's a better way of focusing it and, and pushing away from like pride or or locking in on a single idea and having to defend it even when we have those questions in ourselves. Right. So it's good to leave yourself with a little bit of cushion. Absolutely. <laughs> in, in your opinions of things, knowing that they will change. And like you said, even in the scientific community, something that is proven to be scientific fact can change and evolve over time with technology advancing, with just more people researching that one thing that a lot of people weren't giving yeah. uh, attention to beforehand. Well, and I think that even those, you know, those people who might be considered experts, they definitely have more background in these specific areas than I do, but I avoid becoming an expert. I, I don't want to be the COVID fatigue expert, but I'm willing to say this is where we're at right now. And this is what we understand right now. And we're going to keep learning. So it's just a better approach. probably. This cognitive dissonance idea, it's, it's very interesting because it carries over from COVID. It's, it, it's the sports thing. I honestly think it's the reason why uh, ties are not accepted in any type of American sport. Right, <laughs> because there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. You have to be on the red team, or you must be on the blue team. Right, if you're not on the red team, um, and I, I feel like taking others into consideration is just the first step in acknowledging that, uh, and then the second step would be acknowledging that you are a fallible person and it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. 
It is. And it's okay to admit to be wrong and it actually makes you a bigger person. Right. <laughs> it's also a lot easier if you recognize that fallibility because uh, trying to be infallible, uh, I haven't met the person who's been successful at that. It's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> but trying to, to maintain a lot of, of being right in every situation that we have can create a lot of stress in our lives um, just for the sake of being right, just for the sake of your own personal pride. Um, so let's talk about stress for a little bit. What does a normal amount of stress in a person's life look like? Does that vary from person to person? Um, how can I identify my stress thresholds, you know, mm -hmm. the, my peaks and my valleys so I can recognize when they do begin to peak in the future? So you're absolutely right. Um, what a normal, acceptable amount of stress is um, varies for every person and how comfortable they are and successful they are with that level of stress. Some people seem to strive in the high stress environments, like the, uh, you said the first sergeants earlier yes, <laughs> on Tuesdays or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and then other people really, um, avoid stressful environments at all costs. That's a number one priority for them when they decide what careers, what relationships to pursue. They want low stress environments because that's what suits them best. Mm -hmm. Looking to your own recent past usually provides a good measure for what you can manage or the situations where you found yourself overwhelmed. So for some people, it's the specific types of stress. So you might say, oh, wow, this person is an ER doc. They must handle all stress excellently. And they do really well in the ER, but they can't deal with drama at home. So they, they know they have to have a low stress home environment, right? You know, so it, it's recognizing what are the situations for you that are highly impactful. Um, looking at your, not just recent past, but your distant past, what have been your worst experiences with stress and were there any signs or triggers that immediately preceded them? Okay. So if you think back to five years ago, I had a really bad month, but I had a tragic loss in my life right before that, or I had a relationship set off, or I got a new project at work. That can be kind of like, oh, okay. So this is something that might be a trigger for me. Those are the kinds of things you want to be on the lookout for is identifying for you what sort of those situations there are. And then okay. even going back and you can write down best to your memory of what happened. What did you notice first? Was it that you got irritable first or you got a racing heartbeat or what sort of things happened? And if we track those things over time, it can give us a good roadmap to saying, oh, wow. But notice I've been getting butterflies in my stomach every day before work this week. I'm on the path towards something you know, bigger or a bigger event. So I need to do something different than what I ended up in that bad situation last time. Okay. Because the, the biggest thing about it is let's catch things in the early stages before they get to a crisis. Right. So. The, the small little things that are pecking on you before you end up in a full stress coma. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So what are, what are some other ways you mentioned, uh, feeling the butterflies, um, 
maybe shortness of breath. What are some other ways that stress or COVID fatigue can manifest in other parts of our body? And are there any long-term effects of that? Yeah. The fatigue uh, signs are very similar to all the things that we associate with any type of generalized anxiety over any type of trigger or issue. And yes, there have been many studies that show that chronic stress of any type can lead to serious health conditions. So when I say chronic stress, that's the stress that's going on and on and on and on. I believe, I think maybe even on this podcast before, we've talked about how uh, short-term stress is how our bodies are designed to deal with a situation in the moment, yes. the fight-or-flight response. However, long-term stressors, those chemicals and things that happen in our body with long-term stress, it doesn't get alleviated. It just stays there, and it breaks down the immune system, and it can cause serious health conditions. There have been studies that have linked it to major gastrointestinal um, problems, all ulcers, cancers, all kinds of things like that, skin and hair issues, wow. uh, infections, sexual dysfunction, and cardiovascular disease, all have really strong links to ongoing unmanaged stress. So it's one of the first things that they ask people when they come in with those types of conditions is, what's your stress level like? What do you do to manage your stress? And any of those issues that I just mentioned are significant enough for me to avoid living in a constant state of disillusionment and long-term stress and say, okay, it's okay to be stressed out for a day or a couple of days, but if we're talking about a week or you're talking about six months now that you've been sitting in this, we need to do something different to manage that stress. Otherwise, your body's going to shut down. Something's going to give. Yeah. And that's, that's maybe where it becomes difficult to realize that we have to reach out if we've been sitting in it for so long. And you get to that point where you, you, don't, you know that you're stressed out. You know that you need to do something different, but you don't know where to start. Right. But that's also where that cognitive dissonance can come in too, right? Where you say, well, I'll just ignore it a little bit longer. I've made it this far and right. everything will be fine. Right. But in reality, it's just making your situation so much worse. Because you have that contrasting belief. You have the belief, I'm a healthy, well-functioning adult. However, I have all these signs that that's not the truth right now. <laughs> and what am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the story that I've always had about myself or look at this evidence that's presented before me? Because right. I think that if you can consider it as I was this, this is where I'm at right now, and I'd like to get back to being a healthy, functional adult, let's let's strive for that rather than proving that there's nothing wrong. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And stress lowers your immunity and a lowered immune system, according to the CDC, makes you more susceptible to catching coronavirus. So Correct. you're putting yourself into a very dangerous circle. There. Yeah. And if not Corona, something else, <laughs> something else will come along right. the way. That's right. You're right. So as COVID cases, um, and numbers of hospitalizations rise to record-breaking levels in Oklahoma. Uh, many are unsure how long this will actually last. Uh, it can also contribute to that COVID fatigue, a little bit more of that stress that we have. So let's talk about overcoming some of that COVID fatigue. What lessons can we learn from the first part of our quarantine back in May, April, um, that we can carry with us to the unforeseen end of the virus. Uh, you've kind of already mentioned a few things that we've talked about in previous podcasts, 
But what can you what can you say um, from having done the quarantine life for a little bit, marinated on it for a little, and then come back to our podcast? Uh, what what recommend, recommendations do you have uh, for overcoming this type of stress? Well, earlier when we were talking about this disaster stress, like the situation of a tornado, mm-hmm. the big difference with this COVID fatigue phenomenon has been so far is typically speaking, the disaster happens and then people's stress response starts and then it moves to that second level or the third level. In this situation, it has started and people have moved on into different levels. However, the disaster hasn't stopped. (laughs) In a lot of ways, it's just as bad or worse than it was in March Mm -hmm. in terms of the seriousness and the rate of infection and things like that. That's very concerning for people like myself and anyone else who's interested in this phenomenon or understanding it. That uncertainty is probably the biggest part of why this has been so difficult to manage and understand. I still think the best thing to do is to continue seeking the expert advice from peer-reviewed sources and using critical thinking to avoid either extreme. One extreme being panic, you know, locking yourself in a bubble and being afraid all the time. Right. And the other extreme is apathy, saying, who cares? I'm just do whatever I want. COVID party. Both of those responses are not ideal in this situation. So continue seeking out expert advice and be willing to say, the expert advice might be changing. You know, it might not be what it was two months ago and two months from now, it might be different, but we have to keep looking to what they're finding out and trying to get a better grasp on what do we do now. Mm -hmm. The other thing is to try to protect ourselves, our families, and our communities. So if it's not enough to think I need to act in my own best interest, is there somebody else that we can value and say, even though this is challenging for me, I'm going to do what's best for my parents, my loved ones, my friends, my neighbors, you know, my coworkers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be hard to support and help the people we encounter, but I think that it's our greatest ability as humans and part, and really for me, it's what makes this life worth living is what I can do to help others and take a step outside of myself. Yeah. And that makes it a little easier to kind of refocus on how we can manage this and deal with that uncertainty is I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know what I need to be doing, but I do know I want to help other people however I can. That's great. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people really lack is just thinking of another person. Yeah. It's not, you know, making meals for every single person on your block. It's not, it, it's, it's very simple, basic things. People wear the mask because they don't know if they're infected. You can be asymptomatic and be walking around, but you wear it so that if that is the case, you're not giving it to someone else. Right. Right. If, if people treated 
this the same way that they treat stopping at a four-way stop sign? <laughs> yeah. Man, well, I ahead, feel like this would be incredible because <laughs> nobody wants to go. Everybody is offering their turn to the next person. Even if two or three other people come up to the stop, no, go ahead. I'm yeah, yeah. in here for a minute. You go on. Yeah. It's your turn. People took that attitude towards even just a basic illness, even if it's nothing. It's just showing you care enough about the person next to you that you're going to do what you can personally right. to prevent them from getting sick. And sometimes it's you don't even have to do anything. It's just the offer means so much to people. It's yeah. like, is there anything I can do to help? You know, whenever we get focused on the things that are challenging and are hard for us, that takes us to a more negative place than me saying, what, what can I help with? What do people need right now? And if that, that, Focal shift changes a little bit. I think all of it gets a little easier to deal with. And then hopefully, you know, if you're paying it forward, someone's going to look out for you too. So, And it's a better feeling inside that you get from helping someone else than harboring negative feelings towards someone else. Yeah. It's just, just plain and simple. It's that, that easy. So we talked about this a little bit already, but what are some other things that we should avoid? We mentioned, you know, avoid being the expert. Mm -hmm. Rely on the people who have spent years or decades of their life studying one subject so that they can provide us a subject matter expert's opinion on that. So what are some other things we should avoid? Like COVID parties, obviously, that... Something definitely to be avoided. That's not on my list, but I'm hoping everybody knows to avoid COVID <laughs> parties. Uh, number one. Don't judge I, common sense. That's right. <laughs> number one on my list is overexposure to the news. Um, giving okay. yourself a break and cutting back and limiting yourself to the most reliable sources. So I think the way that our news cycle works. Sometimes uh, it's prone towards crisis. It's prone towards mm -hmm. the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. I don't think you want to be uninformed, but I do think there's something to, okay, I'm going to spend 15 minutes or 30 minutes looking into this. I'm not going to just sit and let this run on repeat over and over again and, and get <laughs> all the disaster scenarios. Number two, is to stop being so hard on ourselves. That idea that you always have to be right. This is tough. It's okay to feel overwhelmed and feel like you need to vent or blow off steam. Now, when I say vent or blow off steam, I'm talking about in a healthy way. So asking somebody, hey, can I just tell you about everything I'm thinking about right now? And if they give you permission, then you can let off steam. Doesn't mean you walk up unsolicited at the grocery store and just lay into somebody about everything that's ticking you off about COVID. Start ripping masks off of a <laughs> right, display exactly. and a target. Don't No don't need do for any things. of that. Okay. Number three is avoid engaging in any social media debate because no matter what you think, there is somebody online who will argue and infuriate you to no end and that's just a waste of your limited time and energy. Mm -hmm. So if there's somebody of value in your life, have a conversation with them, exchange emails or whatever, say what you need to say, explain what you need to, and stop there. Yes. And number four is don't allow your thoughts to spiral out of control. Identify positive things you can focus on rather than 
dwelling on the negative fears and worries that you have and identify the people in your life who you can go to who help pull you out of excess worry, who maybe talk about gratefulness, what sort of positive things, what sort of things in the future that you can be excited or hopeful for. There's a study I, I read about that took social media platforms and it, or it took, took a person's phone and said, okay, of all of the apps on your phone, I want you to identify all the ones that make you happy. Mm. So those are ones like weather, your calendar, games, things like that. The ones that make you feel angry or negative feelings, social media, YouTube, even some games, of course, yeah. <laughs> were in that category, but it was primarily social media. Yeah. And, but we can't help but stare at that car wreck and continue to scroll and scroll and look at more car wrecks. Yeah. Because for some reason, being miserable in that little bit of time is more enjoyable than actually being happy. I don't quite understand how that works or why it works that way, but you bring up a good point in that. And a lot of people, the, the internet trolls that you were talking about, the people that will just go after you all day, they get enjoyment out of that. Correct. They love being whatever devil's advocate it is for whatever argument that's being done. So you're not going to win. Yep. You are not going to win. So please don't engage in those because it really is a waste of everyone's time. So if I do feel that stress starting to compound on me, and when we had you on uh, the first time, I believe we were talking about uh, thought creep mm-hmm. and how you know sitting and, and letting those negative thoughts develop and, and fester into something more than they should be. Uh, when we feel a lot of that pressure coming on, what are some things we can do to calm ourselves or pull ourselves out of that COVID fatigue rut that we are, we're falling into? Sure. Um, so we talked already about using your past experience to solve your current problems. So if you already know some of your best coping skills that have worked in other situations, feel free to try to apply them to this situation. That's always what I say. It's like, you know yourself better than I know you. So mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. know what works, try those things first in any type of dealing with a stressful or traumatic situation. If you don't have any or can't think of any or need some new ones to try because those ones didn't work, <laughs> I'll give you four of these also. Awesome. Number one, it's always exercise. Your usual exercise routine or what you typically do may not be available. Like I used to go to a gym all the time and that hasn't been an option for me. Right. My wife participated in a running group and that hasn't been available for her. But anything that is exercise can help. So even just going for a walk, getting some fresh air, releasing endorphins and relieves that adrenaline buildup from routine stress that we were talking about. Okay. Number two, talking. Sometimes just getting the thoughts out of your head and out of your mouth will change your perception of a situation. Okay. You can talk through something and be like, I can't believe I think that. That's ridiculous. But until you say it out loud, it'll just circle in your brain. Um, trying to ignore your feelings does not work. Expressing them to anybody who you feel like is a good listener and open and willing to just give you feedback or even just to say, I hear what you're saying. That can help. Okay. Uh, Number three is constructive thinking. You often can't change your situation, but you can change your perspective. So give yourself credit for whatever you are doing 
and make small incremental changes to the behavior that you have that you want until you meet your goal. Hmm. So if you say I'm not managing this very well, give yourself, well, this is where I'd like to be in a month and say, what can I do first? Oh, I can go on a walk. I can make a call, you know, do one of these things each day for five minutes. And then if you're successful there, change it to 10, you know, work your way up towards it and keep praising yourself for your successes and avoiding the thoughts about maybe where you've fallen short. And number four, it's mindfulness. Taking a breath, think about the moment you're in right now, let go of the mistakes of the past or concerns about the future. Tools like gratefulness, meditation, prayer, or anything that helps you relax your mind and body can make a huge difference. All of this stuff, oftentimes we get so focused on what has happened, how we've been wronged, what is going to happen tomorrow, how much we're upset about it, that if we just focus on our breathing and say to, my, say to yourself, I'm alive, I'm here right now and staying in that moment can give you a sense of peace that really makes all of this much easier to deal with that's great some really great advice and the mindfulness is one of the most difficult things to do but also the most most powerful in my experiences let's talk one more thing that i think is is becoming oh i don't know i guess it's been there for a while just depends on how often you you read the read the news or watch the news to see if it's something that's trending more often. But uh, let's talk about we already did a little bit. Let's talk about people who maybe have a conflicting view of this COVID thing that you do, and how do you handle those people? So there's a difference between I go to the supermarket, ninety nine percent of the people are wearing masks. The one person not wearing masks is right next to the bananas, and that's the last thing that I need. Right. So I wait my turn, and then I go get my bananas. Or I could just go up to them and say some things. Right. That's a little different than an office worker, Mm -hmm. someone that works in your office, or even someone that works in the building but not directly in your office. Maybe they don't have the same mask hygiene practices that you do. So what are some good ways you can address those people uh, or handle those types of situations when you can tell that, okay, I'm feeling the stress come on, I'm feeling that tingle, I'm feeling my palms getting sweaty, I'm feeling this anger build up, I can feel my face turning red, and I know it's all because of that one individual and this interaction that I'm about to have with that individual. And go. (laughs) What do you do? Well, you have asked the million dollar question. <laughs> and if anyone is listening, has the answer, please contact me because I would love to know that too. Um, I have never had um, a lot of success um, changing the behaviors of others, but I do try to share information and show kindness wherever possible. If someone you have a connection to is struggling with COVID fatigue or um, engaging in behaviors that are problematic for your level of fatigue, you can encourage them, right? Ask them with that kindness and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. 
when they complain about the various reasons why what they've lost or why they don't want to do certain things, maybe changing the focus of the conversation onto the reason that we're doing all these things to lower risk and making sacrifices is in order for us all to get back to work, school, travel, recreation, all the things that we want, because that's important to us all. Mm -hmm. So validating the frustration that they have while saying that's the reason for why we need to do the things that are being recommended by uh, health guidelines, health officials are, are telling us. If it's maybe a young person, um, some young people have said that they are not really concerned about getting sick because it doesn't seem to be impacting their livelihood as much. Mm-hmm. Maybe reminding them as simple as like, man, if you would have told me that washing my hands and wearing a mask and keeping a little social distance could save the life of, you know, my parents or my grandparents or someone else who had some sort of a health issue or risk, I would think that would be pretty cool. I could feel like a superhero with very little uh, effort on my behalf. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say is, even though we can't control others, we can be good examples, right? Do the things that you need to do all the time, whether or not you think people are looking because people are looking. Yes. And try not to let those irritating actions of others be what you're focusing on. So uh, you just mentioned you were at the grocery store and that person wasn't doing what they needed to next to the bananas. Instead of going back and saying, I can't believe that person, coming back and thinking, wow, 99% of the people at the grocery store were wearing masks. That is really awesome. Yeah. You know, is, is what, what are we going to spend our time focused on? The little frustration or that person? Are we going to let them control the narrative and how we view our situation? Or are we going to say, what's the positive side here? Great advice. Great advice. Because you, you really can't change somebody's mind. If nobody is going to change your mind... How do you feel like you talking to somebody is going to change their mind? Yeah. It's a little bit of arrogance there, I think. Well, and I think, I think people's minds do change, but I know for myself, I, had, I don't think of a time where somebody has come up and shouted in my face and confronted <laughs> me on an issue who I didn't know from Adam, who I've been like, they had a lot of good things on their mind. <laughs> but if there was somebody who I really did feel like had a value in me and I had a relationship with them, and they approached me calmly and gave me some information, maybe I didn't change that second and say, thank you. <laughs> I'll change everything. But I thought, mm-hmm. hmm, that's something to think about. So well, let's, let's try to let, give those opportunities the best chance possible and not, not the other situation. So what are some resources that uh, individuals who may be experiencing COVID fatigue or supervisors whose staff is struggling with COVID fatigue uh, what are some resources they can use to overcome some of these stressors? Sure. So I'll talk about uh, three levels of kind of intervention. First one is if somebody is struggling with these issues and looking for help, the first thing I do is suggest that they seek out a friend or family member, somebody who knows you, who cares about you, and ask them just to engage in a conversation. 
maybe have a sounding board, get some of those ideas out there, that might be enough. If that's not enough, then we move on to the second level. So maybe using some type of a tool that's been put together by experts in the field of stress management. There's a few apps that I would direct people to, towards. One is called Mindfulness Coach. It's developed by the VA and is available on all the major platforms for free. Okay. It's a self-guided audio trainer that can assist you in some of those coping skills that we talked about when it was mindfulness. If that's not enough, then we move on to the third level, which is seeking out some type of professional assistance. There are times when something goes wrong at my house where, you know, asking my dad, giving my dad a call and asking him how to fix it or watching a YouTube tutorial is enough. And if that's enough, great. But sometimes I got to call out a plumber or an electrician <laughs> because the situation has gone beyond what I can figure out. If you're having that when it comes to stress, seek out an expert. If you're a part of the National Guard and here in Oklahoma, that's what my job is. So identifying specific issues and then recommending someone who can help with that. So you could contact me. Using the National Guard website is a way to, or the application is a way to request my help or other people who do what I do here. Also, if you prefer, maybe you don't want to go that route, you can contact Military OneSource and they can direct you to professional assistance as well. Okay. Either way is my motto is if you're not getting the results you want, then you got to do something different. So try a level of intervention, try the next level and keep going. Don't stop looking for a solution. The solution's out there. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for coming back on our show and explaining, kind of laying out what COVID fatigue is and some different ways that we can recognize that stress and ways that we can help each other and ourselves overcome that stress that's either COVID related or non-COVID related. But hopefully our listening audience can take some good, good beneficial information from this and apply it to their lives. John, is there anything else you'd like to add? Thank you, it's wonderful to be here. <laughs> Thanks for listening if you have, and if you have questions, please let me know. I'm glad to uh, provide more specific information. All right, John, thanks again. And uh, we look forward to having you on the show here real soon. Thank you.